Great news, everyone. Jesus is alive and well. This is Glenn Raglan Educational and Transformational Ministries. Great Ministries. Welcome to this week's podcast. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you with our whole hearts. We bless your great name. We continue to pray for peace in the Middle East. We pray the blood of Jesus over stomach cancer. We pray that your word will go forth. It will not return to you empty. It will accomplish what you sent it to do. In the name of your salvation, Jesus Christ, amen. We continue our series on the historical Jesus as we examine John's gospel in chapter 2, which contains the first miracle of Jesus, turning water into wine. Only John's gospel records this event as he was an invited guest along with the mother of Jesus and the other recently called disciples. This invitation shows that Jesus was a social person who did not shy away from public gatherings. John uses the word signs instead of miracles in his account. At the wedding, which in this period of history might last a week, and the bridegroom was responsible for the food and the wine. Poor hospitality was treated as an offense, and the celebration had run out of wine. My friends, Jesus had come to the wedding to signify that the old system of animal sacrifice, the shedding of blood, and the old wine had come to an end. The beginning of the new had begun for Jesus, and his date with the cross began in Cana of Galilee, the site of the wedding. When Mary gets involved in the quest for more wine, she approaches Jesus, who replies that his time had not yet come. This reminder that it was not time for the Lord to be glorified, and therefore only a few people knew the truth behind the sign that was about to take place. Mary directs the servants to do whatever Jesus tells them to do. Jesus commands the servants to fill six stone water pots with water. The water pots were used by the Jews for purification rites before and after meals. Each water pot could hold 20 to 30 gallons of water. And here, the contrast between the old Jewish system and Christianity is evident. Notice that Jesus did not pray over the water, touch the water, or speak to the water. He spoke to the servants, and the servants obeyed. My brothers and sisters, sometimes Jesus gives us directions for us to follow, and we are blessed for our obedience, and we also suffer consequences for our disobedience. Many of us are looking for a miracle, a sign, a wonder, and you've been given instructions, but you have not moved because you are waiting on a sign. The servants trusted Jesus and did what he asked. When the servants gave the master of the banquet a taste of the water that had been turned into wine, he commented that the new wine was superior to the old wine. It was customary for the best wine to be brought out first, then when everyone is drunk, the inferior wine is brought out. But God is saying, I have sent my best, my only begotten son, who is better than the old way. The transformation of water into wine 
shows the ability of Jesus to change the substance into a more valuable commodity. That is what he wants to do in your life and in my life. When we let him transform us into his image, the end result is so much better than the beginning. The problem with Christians today is that they want to see miracles worked in their lives. Waking up is a miracle, but they don't see it. Being able to function daily is a miracle, but they don't see it. It takes being healed from cancer or being saved from certain death in a car accident to be classified as a miracle. My friends, I'm here to tell you that miracles still happen. They just happen in ways that you are not able to comprehend. Instead of expecting a miracle to bless you, you be a miracle and bless someone else. In John chapter 2, verses 12 through 15, the author presents Jesus cleansing the temple at the beginning of his ministry. In the Synoptic Gospels, they write about Jesus cleansing the temple just prior to his crucifixion and at the end of their Gospels. Both events occurred during Passover, which was a time of remembrance for Israel's deliverance from Egypt. Passover was one of the mandatory religious festivals for Jewish males, and individuals would travel great distances to Jerusalem to sacrifice and pay their temple tax. For the sacrifice, animals could be purchased, which was a convenience for those not wishing to travel with animals. For the temple tax, the only currency accepted was the local currency. In order to accommodate the travelers, vendors set up an open-air marketplace with animals for sale and money changers to convert foreign money into local money. The issue Jesus had with the merchants was that they made a mockery out of the entire sacrificial system of the temple. The merchants also exploited the men and women who came to sacrifice. The merchants could have set up shop outside the temple courts, but the Jewish religious leaders allowed them inside the courtyard to conduct business. My brothers and sisters, churches today must be on guard against the same kind of issues. Fish fries and spaghetti dinners and other fundraisers have no place in God's house when he has already approved tithes and offering. Some churches have Starbucks, along with areas for book sales. Some worship services have become very well-orchestrated events. Now, there's nothing wrong with a coffee shop as long as it is not the center of worship. Jesus made a whip and chased out the sheep and the oxen, then poured out the money changers' money and turned over their tables. My friends, this is an example of the human side of Jesus displaying his anger. The concession stands were placed in the court of the Gentiles where they would come to the temple and pray. The temple was built as a house of prayer for everyone who desired to worship God. The Jewish leaders chose money over those who would come to worship. When circumstances keep people from worship, God will not be pleased. And just as the Jewish leaders went along with the merchants, church leaders today are going along with the plots and schemes that serve self-interest and not God's interest. Look, folks, it's not the building that is important, but if it has been dedicated to worship, then anything that interferes with that mandate is disobedience. If you will recall, God has a way of dealing with disobedience, 
And in 70 AD, the Romans destroyed the temple. Jewish religious leaders were understandably upset over their lost revenue stream, and they demanded a sign for Jesus to find out who gave him the authority to do what he had done. Jesus' sign was, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? Folks, Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body, and my comrades, in John's narrative, he often uses misunderstanding as part of his style, and he would add an explanation for his readers. In John chapter 2, with the miracle of water to wine and the cleansing of the temple, it's really about Jesus being a friend. He was a friend to the bridegroom, saving him from public embarrassment, he was a friend to the Gentiles as he saved space for them to worship. And finally, he was a friend to the world as he would later save the world from their sins by dying on the cross. And if you would like to be a friend of Jesus, repent of your sins and be baptized. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to save us from our sins. We pray for those who will give their lives to your son in the name of the light of men, Jesus Christ, amen. And if you gave your life to Jesus, email me at hello at greatministries.org and I will assist you in finding a place to be baptized. I continue to encourage you to find a good Bible teaching church. Send your prayer request, your praise reports, and your comments to our email address, which is hello at greatministries.org. Please continue to pray for Great Ministries and share us with your friends, your family, your loved ones, and the unsaved. Stay safe, be blessed, and have a great week.